Welcome back to Spin Now with me, Katie. And it's that time of the week where I introduce this week's special guest. As I explained last week, we are using this month to talk about mental health on a deeper level. Of course, we know mental health can affect us in so many ways, anxiety, depression. But what are the deep causes and disorders that cause our mental health to actually decline. This week's special guest is general adult psychiatrist Mary Scriven. Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Not at all. Mary, this week we are going to be talking about psychosis. So I want to kick this off this morning by letting our listeners know what is psychosis? Yeah, so look, I understand that, you know, people talk about psychiatry and psychology and psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. And it's all it is very uh, seems kind of complicated. But I suppose in essence, psychosis is something it's a symptom. Basically, it's like if you say you have a cough, it's a symptom. It's not a diagnosis, but psychosis occurs as part of an illness and some of the time that illness can be a kind of something you might see a neurologist for. But the majority of the time when a psychiatrist involved, it's because you have a mental illness or a mental disorder. So I suppose the one people will probably maybe know the most about kind of from media is kind of schizophrenia. Um, so that's when people go on to develop kind of chronic psychotic illness. Um, but also you can have psychosis as part of mood disorders. Um, so as part of a depression or as part of a bipolar illness. Yeah. Um, but psychosis itself is, I suppose it's a marker of the severity of your illness at times. So people who become psychotic... Um, it's basically your thoughts kind of take a break from reality. So what you think is real or unreal or what you're experiencing or thinking or hearing or seeing, you don't know if it's true or not. And that's obviously extremely distressing for people. And, you know, with that, obviously your behaviours are totally impacted. You know, if you think about it yourself and you think there's people outside your house and they're going to harm you, you're not going to want to leave your house. For sure. Yeah. Or if you're hearing, you know, negative voices um, that you feel are threatening, you know, it's really scary for people. And I guess because of the illness, often people end up kind of going a bit into themselves and sometimes they don't get treated for a long period of time. And that's a big concern. And that's why I'm doing this, Mary. I spoke at length with Larkin last week on what psychiatrists are compared to talk therapy, everything else and how we pull these apart. And it really does dive into the disorder side of things when in reality people could be suffering with a disorder and think they're just suffering with depression. How do you pull these apart from, you know, a mood disorder to schizophrenia to borderline personality disorder. I know what a psychiatrist does to do this, but what are the symptoms that pronounce to make you see or pull them apart and know which is which? Yeah, so absolutely. So a lot of the time, I suppose people might present first to their GP or sometimes the A&E department. So, you know, emergency doctors and nurses and GPs and nurse practitioners, you know, they'll have a kind of a lot of experience and they'll often do a referral on to us. And I guess the point of coming to the medical system, I suppose, is that you want someone to get a thorough investigation that you're not missing anything. So if someone came to me and saw me in my service, you know, there's a good couple of things I'd be doing. I'd be taking a full history. I'd be seeing, is anyone else in the family? Have they ever been unwell? Because similar to most type of illnesses, you know, psychiatric illness can, if you have family members with it, you can be at an increased risk. 
And with that also, you know, you're asking about people's lifestyle and kind of their habits, you know, so we know that psychosis has links to life stresses, to illicit drug use um, and also if, if people have a family history. And again, they can kind of all work in combination with each other and kind of increase people's risk. Um, the other things that are very important when someone comes to see you with unusual experiences or thoughts is that they get a brain imaging. So I'll order an MRI brain for them just to make sure there's nothing else going on, you know, because God forbid you'd miss you know, anything else going on for someone and kind of presume it was a psychiatric illness. You know, you never want to do that and you never want to kind of dismiss anyone's illness. Um, so it's really important to get a kind of a thorough workup. Also things like bloods, you know, as you were saying, it can be hard to separate out things at times. So, you know, things like your thyroid function and your vitamin B levels. Um, and so I understand some people find it stressful, the thought of going to a psychiatrist and the thought of being, you know, crazy and in inverted commas yeah but actually I suppose all any of us want is people to be living the happiest healthiest lives they can and hopefully see us for a period of time and then move on you know and never see me again I always say that to my patients hopefully they'll come a dime and I'll be that distant memory and you'll be like oh do you remember when I used to go see you and then it'll be over for them and with treatment people can do really well and I guess I think that's the thing that's probably the most difficult about psychiatry is that but because of the symptoms we treat, I think people maybe sometimes overestimate how much they understand things. So I understand as a human condition, you know, say something's going on for me and I've lost my job or a relationship has broken up. I'll be stressed and distressed. But at times when people's illness becomes more, your ability to objectively figure that out, it, it, you kind of lose that. Do you know what it, it's, you, it's blurred. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And it's it, it's fascinating to me because there is so many different disorders and schizophrenia being a massive one that I feel yeah. like doesn't get spoke about enough. And it's something a lot of people are suffering with at the moment. Mm-hmm. And a massive question I had here, Mary, and this is something I've read about, I've heard about. People with schizophrenia, am I right in saying are they born with this or is this something that can be developed later in life or or come to light later in life, I should say? And cannabis. This is something that's been thrown around in research mm. a lot that cannabis has a massive role to play in bringing schizophrenia to light. Am I right in saying? Or uh, is the schizophrenia there and this use of cannabis is making it worse? Um, I don't want to confuse you in the question, but it's just, to me... It's crazy to think that this could be a contributor in making schizophrenia worse. Absolutely. And again, I think like everything in medicine, and I suppose if anyone tells you that they've it all figured out, they definitely don't. None of us have it all figured out. But what we do know is it's a combination of your environment and your genetics. So like most things in life, you know, if your parents are tall, you probably will be tall. But if you don't get good food growing up, you know, yeah. you won't grow to your full potential. So it's a combination of your environment and genetics. And I suppose what we do know is that people who smoke cannabis, in particular younger people and adolescents before your brain is fully developed, it does affect how that process happens and it increases your risk of psychosis. Wow. So a population who's smoking cannabis compared to a population who isn't, you probably four times the risk of developing a psychosis. And what we also know is that the younger you're smoking, the more you're smoking and the stronger 
the cannabis you are smoking all increases your risk. And also particularly for people who have any type of family history of psychosis or schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, you know, they have a much higher chance if they're smoking cannabis of developing psychosis. And what's very difficult about it is, I suppose, when someone starts smoking cannabis, no one knows who will or won't become addicted. Mm-hmm. You know, the same as any other type of addiction. You know, we've all heard of people, oh, my granny has a couple of whiskeys every day and she smokes and she's absolutely fine. And great, there are people out there who, you know, their bodies work in different ways. Like those people who tell you they can eat ice cream every day and cake and they don't put on weight. Yeah. That's not me, unfortunately. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, cannabis is like that. There is a proportion of people who will go on to become extremely addicted. And even though they know it's doing their health and their mental health harm, they won't be able to move away from it. So I think after alcohol, actually, cannabis is the second most common addiction um, issue that people are presenting to the mental health services in Ireland with. Um, So I suppose in psychosis in particular, there's this movement. It started in Australia originally, and now it's kind of been replicated internationally, and it's called Early Intervention in Psychosis. And we actually have that in Ireland, um, which is great. It was launched as a kind of a plan as part of the HSE um, in 2019. And basically... It's allowing people with psychosis early, aggressive treatment to try and get them back on track and to try and move them away from all the issues. And it's a whole what we call biopsychosocial model. So it's, you know, it's involving family, it's involving talking therapy, it's involving medication, it's involving monitoring for the medication, you know, worrying about if people are gaining weight for medication or if they're sedated, it's getting people back to work. And it's a whole movement. And with that, I suppose people, it's been shown they do better, they function better, they go back to normal lifestyles and they are increasing the risk of that. So currently about 20% of the adult population in Ireland have access to those specialist teams. And I suppose there's an awful lot of people doing a lot of work to try and increase the funding we get to try and get more people exposed so you get this specialist service. Um, and I think their figures show that about... I think it's 35% of people who present to them having psychosis for the first time will have smoked cannabis in the four weeks prior. That is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, so one in three. And again, you know, it's so difficult to figure out who it will be or who it won't be. And, And so I suppose I would urge patients who come to see me, you know, I I don't think the risk is worth it. And I suppose what we also know about smoking cannabis is if you have pre-existing mental health problems, it can worsen it. Yeah. Um, and again, I understand that's easy for me to say that, you know, you're giving advice to other people. But I suppose it's just that when the stakes are so high and people can become so unwell, you know, and I suppose, unfortunately, there are a very small percentage of people and they will end up in hospital. And they get a very long admissions with psychosis, in particular kind of schizophrenia, schizoaffective, um, mm-hmm. which is another subtype of illness. And so if you take it kind of at around any given time, about 1% of the people open to the psychiatric services or the mental health services will be admitted to hospital. Um, so about 1% of all the people I see will be an inpatient under my care Um a smaller portion of them, again, will be admitted under the Mental Health Act. And look, I suppose Ireland has a pretty significant history of kind of institutionalization, And mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a fact and it's something we all need to be cognizant of and really work very, very hard to 
give people the treatment they deserve now and move forward from that. Um, but there are a small portion of people who will be admitted to the hospital kind of on the recommendations of their GPs and the guardie or their GPs and family. Um, and they will be obliged to stay in hospital for a period of time. Um, till they're better and, and, and also till they're safe. Yeah. Safe for themselves, safe for others. Like I, for me, I am so mind blown by the information around smoking cannabis. And I feel like we, as a country, are we giving enough information to the younger generation for them to actually know that, you know, this is what can happen. And as you said, yeah, it'll react to other people Mm. in one way and they'll be fine like it is to granny having Mm. a a whiskey there every night. But then there is that uh, percentage of the younger generation that it can absolutely destroy you yeah. and that's a strong statement for me but it it is in 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 fact that one percent that you're talking about that get admitted to hospital and have to go through months weeks or however long it may mm. take uh to be treated and bring them slightly back something that intrigues me with psychosis can you treat it can you be brought back from uh where you potentially go in psychosis can can it be fixed Yeah, absolutely. And again, I suppose because psychosis comes from different places and and different, you know, because it's a symptom of different illnesses. um, I suppose the ones we're talking about specifically are the mental health ones and that's what we treat. But absolutely with treatment, people can do very, very well, you know, and and, and I suppose we're much more fortunate in the year we're in now, you know, 2023, you know, there's recognition of it's not just medication, but it's lifestyle and it's exercise and it's getting back out socialising and it's working or, you know, education and it's meeting with your family and it's it's. It, it, it's kind of more of a broad package. Yeah. This biopsychosocial treatment, as whereas I suppose, you know, in years past, it would have been very medication heavy. And I guess as a psychiatrist, what's always on my mind is you want to prescribe as little medication as the person needs. Obviously, if they need it, that's okay. But you don't, no one wants someone who's gaining weight or sedated or having other side effects. And I suppose that's always on our minds. So, you know, as part of most mental health teams, you'll have nurses and they'll monitor you. And, it, you know, if you're finding you've side effects that you can't manage, you'll move on to something else. And there's loads of options and people can do really well. And I suppose if someone has a first episode of psychosis, the evidence shows us that people probably should stay on treatment medication. I'm saying when I say treatment in, in this example um, for about two years. But after that, people can you know, reduce down and have a trial free of medication. And there are lots of people who head off into the sunset and we don't see them again. And that's absolutely brilliant. That's what we all want, you know, and I suppose that. Yeah. And that is what we want. You know, we don't want people unwell, but unfortunately, behaviours are complicated and changing habits are complicated. You know, if it was easy to change behaviours, addiction wouldn't be a thing Mm -hmm. or Slimming World or Weight Watchers or any of these things, you know, behaviours and the human condition it's very complicated um but I suppose the important thing is that you know patients whenever they need help there is no problem so it doesn't matter if you go back smoking cannabis to us it's disappointing and it's upsetting but if you become unwell again or if you stop your medication and you become unwell again we start again you know there is no problem it's like anything else in life Absolutely. And sometimes we all need a few goes around the roundabout. We all, you know, fail driving tests or fail exams. And and, and, and 
nothing in life, I suppose, is black and white. And I suppose it's always trying to improve people's outcome, improve people's functioning. And I guess the really important thing why psychosis is so important to treat and why this early intervention in psychosis movement is so important is that on average, people with psychosis will die 15 to 20 years before members of the general population. Mm -hmm. And it's both that they develop physical health illnesses because they're unable to take care of themselves, but also they find it very difficult to access mental or to access physical health and the whole health system because, you know, they can become isolated on themselves and they don't have as many supports or they don't have the same relationships because they're unable to because they're unwell. So it's it's in everyone's interest. It's in the whole population's interest that you've less people unwell, that you've less people stuck in their homes, you've less people who can't you know, be in education or working or be part of families, you know, so it's it's a movement for all of us. And I suppose there's not many families that are probably lucky enough to say they've never had contact with the mental health services, you know. So most of us have some experience on some level, but I suppose the psychosis is a little bit more serious and it's a little bit probably rarer than, you know, some of the anxiety and depression. Um, But it is something that I suppose I hope that over time people will get an appreciation of um it's just it it is tricky with the history i suppose of psychiatry in ireland as well and also as kind of a doctor you're always coming from a place of oh don't do this and don't do this yeah. and but i think mary you've just did it there it's the stigma that stuck to us it's removing that and you did that in saying that it's not just always about being medicated it is about the whole package mm. of changing your lifestyle exercise eating uh, interlinking with friends getting out doing the things you love having that balance at work it all um works towards you being the best version of yourself mm. Mary, I could talk to you all day, but keep it here. We're going to have a quick chat after this short break. Keep it here on Spin Now with me, Katie. Welcome back to Spin Now with me, Katie. And I'm still joined live in studio with this week's special guest, general adult psychiatrist, Mary Scriven. Mary, I could genuinely talk to you about this all day. We're talking psychosis, different disorders. And I have a question around schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. What happens when they don't react to the medication, when it's treatment uh, resistant with schizophrenia like is there a way after you know you've given the treatment um, the patient isn't responding to it mm. like where do you go from there so look I suppose we're we're fortunate now in the time we live in that we've so many options and often people will be trialed on different medications and that's that's similar to all mental or medical illnesses really you know you hear people on a blood pressure tablet and it makes them dizzy or you know they can't manage with it or they have a headache and so often people will have a few trials and there is one particular medication called clozapine that people will be started on if they're treatment resistant in their psychosis Um, and that medication it is very tightly regulated and people do have to have blood tests with it because the potential for side effects Um, so sometimes people do end up having clozapine, um, which is a very effective medication. I suppose the other thing that's probably worth saying is that, again, it's not an all or nothing illness in that, like most illnesses, again, in life, sometimes people will have symptoms, but it's about treating them and getting the person back to functioning as much as they can. So some people, unfortunately, will go on to develop schizophrenia from their psychosis and they won't become completely better and be discharged from the mental health services 
But that doesn't mean that they don't have quality of life. And that doesn't mean we're not looking at education and work and relationships and maximising everything they do have. And I think that's very important. Similarly to people who have, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, they are taking medications, they're taking injections, they're going to see their doctor. So I suppose it's about trying to recognise as well that it is a spectrum and that, you know, moving towards recovery is what we all want. And the further you get towards recovery and hopefully saying goodbye to us, brilliant. But even if you don't get there, that's not a failure. Do you know, like anything else? And unfortunately, the vast majority of doctors see patients and, and some people won't do as well as others. And that's very hard for the patients and their families and loved ones. And obviously we don't love when that happens, but it's about trying and keeping on trying and I suppose recognising the gains that you do make, you know? Yeah, for sure. Something I really want to get out to our listeners and especially our young listeners today is the signs and symptoms from psychosis. Mm. So we know a lot of people suffer with depression, anxiety and a lot of people can go through their life thinking, okay, I've just got a lot of anxiety. Mm. Okay, this is what that is. Mm. But how do we let our listeners know today that if they have certain signs or symptoms Mm. that, okay, this sign and symptom is maybe I should go and see a psychiatrist Mm. to maybe look at me having a disorder Mm. and how important is it to catch it earlier rather than later? Yeah, so I suppose, I mean, to answer the second part, it's very important to any type of illness to try and, you know, nip it in the bud or get in as soon as you can. Um, And there is a thing called duration of untreated psychosis. And I suppose we know that the longer you're psychotic and not being treated, it decreases your chances of totally recovering. So that is where the whole early intervention and psychosis movement came from, because often people can be psychotic in the community for a couple of years before they can before they come to the attention of the health service. You know, in that time, people could have been treated. So Mm -hmm. I suppose the things you're looking at, and I think in particular for psychiatry, is it's a change in functioning, really. You know, so a lot of us will have periods of anxiety or, you know, low mood or any of the other kind of vast array of human emotions. But if it comes to a stage where you're not leaving your bed, you're not going to work, you're not going to school, you're not contacting your friends, you know, you're not engaging with your family. That's a worry. Do you know, it's that change. Why is that change? And that's always worth exploring, whether it is low mood or anxiety or any other issue, you know, whether it's a side effect from having COVID or whether it's, you know, anything else, I suppose any type of change like that is worth exploring. And that can be tricky. And, you know, getting family members to go to the doctor sometimes. I think everyone knows that experience of kind of, you know, your dad, or your uncle who won't go to the doctor. Even it's me, they... Mary, it's yeah. me. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> I am the worst. I'm the worst. My doctor kills me. It's. Yeah. It, I don't know what it is, though. It's really, and that's an important point yeah. because a lot of people don't want to look after themselves. And I am no. always on the bottom of the list. Yeah. And I just, I avoid it. And I think everyone else does. So that's massive. Yeah. Go listen to your family. Yeah. It's your family as well that will notice the change, isn't it? Absolutely. Your family, your friends, your partner, your loved ones you know they will notice like are you not bringing your dog for a walk are you not going to the shop and again this isn't about you know everyone needing to be doing everything all the time I think the world we live in currently it kind of feels like you should be working full time and making your own bread and in a relationship and have your children and be doing your yoga and you know be making your own mayonnaise and it's exhausting (laughs) but if someone changes who they generally are 
that's a concern. And I suppose sometimes the hesitancy of going to the doctor, it, it is avoidance and that's anxiety. You know, it is, oh, the doctor might say this to me and I don't want to hear that. It's the same thing as not going to the dentist. You know, like we were all thrilled when it was COVID because it was like, oh, this is a get out of jail free card. I don't have to go to the dentist. All this of our brilliant. teeth falling out. Yeah, <laughs> but actually, you know, you're kind of the day today when you say, oh, I'm not going to the doctor, you're relieved. But actually, it's just harder tomorrow. Yeah. So I suppose sometimes it is just facing that. And we've all been there. We've all put things off, you know, ringing about your insurance. And that's it's, <laughs> you know, it's natural. It's a human condition and we all appreciate that. But I suppose it's just about trying to recognise that even if every doctor you meet or every nurse you meet isn't your type of person or you don't get on 100%, they do want the best for you and they do want you to recover. And I suppose people deserve that, you know. And unfortunately, like anything else, if you have a fracture or you have a wound, the longer you leave it untreated, the worse it'll get, do you know. And for it's sure. the same with your mental health, you know. And, and it's it's for people who stop functioning you know, it is really scary to get back out there. Do you know? Yeah. Even like COVID, a lot of people will tell me how when the restrictions eased, it was difficult to start going back out there. Like a lot of people, I think, were like, oh, this is grand hanging out at home. You know, a few text people, a bit of Netflix. They were kind of happy. for the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. But actually, you know, and that is natural. And I I suppose it's it's acknowledging that. That's fine. And it's fine to be anxious to come to the doctor and it's fine to say this is really difficult being here. No one's going to be upset by that. Do you know? Yeah, for sure. Mary, it's so interesting and it's a minefield of things that we could be doing that we're not doing. Uh, Can I ask what the difference between bipolar borderline personality disorder. I could be wrong and say, are they the same mm-hmm. thing? Oh, they are. Okay. No, 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 no. Sorry, they're not. Okay, thank God. I was God. nodding to your question. I was like, okay, Katie, you <clears> did <throat> it again on live radio. Uh, but yeah, borderline personality disorder, uh, bipolar, uh, schizophrenia. Like, can any of these be like mix, misdiagnosed? You know, as in, because they're so close in the symptoms. Yeah. I suppose borderline personality disorder in particular is very interesting. I suppose Unfortunately, there are people who find receiving a diagnosis of personality disorder to be very distressing yeah. and they find it to be pejorative to be have that diagnosis. But really, the reason the word borderline is used in it is because long, long, long time ago, all, psych- all psychiatric illnesses were thought to either be neurosis or psychosis. And that was it. And when you were borderline, you were between them and at times you would go towards psychosis more and at and other times you go towards neurosis more. And that's where the term borderline comes from. Okay, But I suppose personality disorder in itself, what it means generally is that you find things in life, the usual things, much more difficult or stressful than the average person. You know, so negotiating relationships or work or education, it can be very stressful for you. And I suppose in particular with borderline personality disorder, that can come from difficult experiences in childhood in particular. PTSD, yeah. traumas. Exactly, mm. yeah. And I suppose as children, you know, the relationships we have with our family, in particular our parents or our caregivers or parent, whatever your setup is, whatever relationship you have with them, that's the basis of all your other relationships in life. So if people don't have a great start or, you know, there's things that go against them, it can be difficult because it can be difficult to know what a healthy relationship is and what you deserve. Yeah. Um, so I suppose 
the borderline personality disorder in particular and all personality disorders, the treatment is generally psychologically based. Yes. And it will be a very long, you know, it can often be a long term treatment, but there is very effective treatment, something called DBT, dialectic behavioral therapy. Um, A lady called Marsha Lenehan in America came up with this type of therapy. Mm -hmm. It has some of the basis of CBT and then add ons. Um, but it's it's a long term specialist treatment. But, you know, for people who do have genuine distress and stress in their lives from borderline personality disorder, it's so effective and it's amazing and transformative, you know, for people who through learning and work. Absolutely. And again, as Lorcan was saying last week, unfortunately, like everything else in life, all these things are hard. You know, it's not just signing up to the gym causes you to be more fit. You know, it's going and it's practicing and it's it's trying. And, and that is difficult, you know, I suppose. The bipolar affective disorder is, it's a mood disorder. So people will have periods of elated mood or mania is what people would call it. The old name was kind of manic, you know, people would say manic depression before is kind of what yes. people used to call bipolar. And then at times you have periods of depression and there's a, s- a subsection of people, not all people with bipolar, but a subsection of people will have psychotic symptoms. And again, that's, I suppose that speaks to the severity of their illness. Okay. Um, but not everyone who is bipolar experiences psychosis. Um. Again, it, it, that sounds a little bit complicated. Um, no, no, I get it though. And it yeah. is. And bipolar is so, like from what I understand of it, you will, when you're, when you have those highs, you are really high. Mm. But then when you have those lows, you are really low. Like mm. I, it's so interesting to me how it all ties in. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing I each other. that's worth noting as well is, you know, it, Sometimes if you have had a difficult childhood experiences and you have something like borderline personality disorder, you know, there are other mental illnesses that can go with that. Yeah. So I suppose that's why it's always very important to link with your GP and to consider going to the psychiatric services just to get an understanding of this. And it's not about labeling people or it's not about kind of shaming people, but it's just about saying, well, this is what's going on for you and this is maybe why it happened. And this is what you could possibly do. To fix you know? it. Yeah. And I suppose what I would always say to the patients that come see me, you know, in terms of things like alcohol or big decisions in life, you know, common sense will kind of tell you, probably try to avoid those things if you're very stressed. You know, if you're very stressed, try not to have loads of alcohol because it will probably make you more stressed or try not to make huge decisions just at that time. Because... You know, it's like anything else. It's like going food shopping when you're hungry. It's not a good idea. No, I have to do that after the show. And I'm like, I will eat before I go. You know, and you have to give yourself the best chance possible, you know. And and I think that's probably what psychiatry is about. No one is sitting here and I'm certainly not sitting here saying I have all the cures and, and everything I can make everything better. I can't. But it's about people giving themselves the best chance possible and trying to work with the strengths they have and try to gain skills and move forward with their lives. Do you know? And I suppose any type of psychiatric diagnosis you get, you know, you'd hope that people could start to see it just like any other type of diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And I think people talk about stigma not being there anymore And I think people talk about things like anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts a little bit. But I suppose I don't think we're necessarily good at talking about the schizophrenia and the schizoaffective and the bipolar. And and people can have a lot of fear of mental illness and mental disorders, you know. And what's interesting is actually people who have mental disorders are much more likely to be the victim 
a violent crime than the perpetrator. Yeah. Yet every time there's something, you know, in the media, people are like, oh, they're a psycho or they're schizo or, you know. And it's, and it's, it's that stigma being stuck yeah, to yeah. instead of the, this is a disorder that you might have and that you might need to get help towards fixing and yeah. for you to live your best life. Yeah. Mary... This this conversation could go on for days. I think you explained it so beautifully this morning. Um, my final question for you is if anyone wanted to read more about psychosis, educate themselves, is there anywhere they could go to find uh, research or information on it? Yeah, so there's a couple of websites that I often direct people to. Um, there's a website made by young people in Ireland, for young people in Ireland, called spunout.ie that has yes. really good information. Um, Aware.ie Aware is a really impressive organisation that provides support for patients and families with mental health issues also the irishpsychiatry.ie which is the um, Irish College of Psychiatrists it's our website Um, and so any of them I suppose with the caveat of you know sometimes googling all your symptoms all the time Dr. Google, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> you lose hours. And again, yeah, it can make any of us anxious. But I think reading, you know, accurate information can be helpful. And it's 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 a it's it's obviously all our responsibility to educate ourselves and make the best possible decisions. And we all do that, you know, just because you work in the radio or, or you know, you're a doctor, that doesn't mean you don't have a responsibility towards, you know, whatever and improving yeah. your knowledge of things. Um but yeah, no, spunout.e and aware.e in particular, I think are, yeah, very good. That's amazing. Mary, honestly, thank you so much for taking the time to travel down here today uh, and be live in studio. And thanks for joining me on Spin Now. Thanks for having me, Katie.